Welcome, everyone, to this edition of Popular Technology Radio, Pop Tech Radio, as we call it around these parts. We are happy you are here. And today we are going to be talking about electric cars. When anything starts or ends with cars on this show, there's only one person that we can actually have on the show. It's in our contract. There's only one person that could actually speak on anything automotive. He is the 43rd hardest working man in show business. He is Josh Hancock, of course, automotive consultant for film and television. Josh, how are you, my good friend? Well, now that I know I'm the 43rd most busy person, because, you know, you get your IMDb rating. Yep. Because I have a lot of credits on film, right? This is the Internet Um, Movie Database. There's a meter, of course. Of course. And, and if you want to get depressed, you see where you are on that meter, you know, <laughs> because, that's a, because, you know, frankly, I've got my name. I'm credited on maybe 25, 30 films. But when I worked for New Line as kind of the car czar, I oversaw over 100 films. But that is not reflected, number one, in my IMDb score or as the 43rd most busy person in Hollywood. Just well, let you know. know. Well, listen, you're there. Yeah. You're on the playing field, Josh. That is the most. I am here. Yep. And yep. I don't, I've never heard the car czar. Now, that's something you should have tattooed on your arm or something. That's a that's a, <laughs> that is a cool. They, they, they did used to call me that at New Line, the car, our car czar, because as a studio, they never had a physical studio that we had just had all these offices. And so when they made movies, the rules were a little bit different. So you brought in all your own stuff. The studio wasn't, you know, doing the cars and the trucks and the whole thing. So it was more of the wild west. Oh, that sounds fun actually. Yeah. Well, so we had cars all over the world. I was chasing anyway. That's pretty groovy. That is pretty groovy. But you know what I want to talk about today with you now, we live in Southern California, both of us. We are currently in different places yep. in Southern California, but we are we're not terribly far from each other. No. And so our view of what's happening in the automotive world, it's a little stilted relative to the rest of the country, maybe even the rest of the world, because where we are right now, this is the center of car culture in the universe, is it not? It is the most important car market in the world, bar none. Bar none. Arguably, I mean, people can argue that in that China is a bigger car market than Mm -hmm. the United States. But per capita and in terms of history and what people buy in an area like, you know, Dubai is full of supercars and Paris has some amazing cars. But there is not a population of automobiles or sales that rivals Southern California, period. The trends start and happen here. Car designs happen here. This is where it's at. But I guess the point I'm getting to is, you know, I'm super interested in all electric cars. um, And I Uh see them all the time because I live in Southern California. That's not necessarily the way it is in the rest of the planet, but it's the way. That is true. And another reason that the movie industry was born here in the United States is partially because of the climate. Yes. But you can shoot year-round in Southern California. And if you need to go get to snow, you can do it. In that same respect, you can drive a convertible and put the top down year-round in Southern <laughs> California. Except for the three days it rains. Exactly. Absolutely. That's true. Yes. That's true. But yeah. one of the things that we're going to talk about today, uh, it's pretty big news. It's 
the tie can. That is, well, Josh, is it Porsche or Porsche? Well, if you're in Germany, it's Porsche. Okay. We Americanize it and say Porsche, but it really is pronounced Porsche. Okay. So for linguistics sake, let's go with Porsche today. Okay. But let's talk about the Taycan. That is their first all-electric sports car. And as the Los Angeles Times says, it is Tesla's latest challenger. Um, I understand that the Taycan is uh, about somewhere between $100,000 and $200,000. So this is um, pretty much a guarantee that one is not going to be in my garage. Um, but I guess <laughs> if you're going to launch it, that's a price point that's not going to make some people flinch. Well, here's the deal. The initial cars that are coming out, there are two models coming out, and oddly enough, we'll discuss this, the Turbo and the Turbo S. And, of course, why that's controversial is there's no turbo in an electric car. Right. That seems odd. Uh, all I've read is that they're going with tradition on those monikers, but there's probably another reason. Like, they put a blower inside the fan speed. I don't know. But. You're correct. The turbo starts at one fifty two, one hundred fifty two thousand dollars, and the turbo S, I believe, starts at about one ninety four. Now, within the year, they will have an eighty five thousand dollar car. Okay. They're coming out with the high end first because they're really smart and they know that the first adopters have the money, and uh, Tesla did the same thing. Tesla, especially with the Tesla X, which is their SUV with the uh, electric doors in the back. Mm -hmm. When you first bought a Tesla S, the only one that was available started at $136,000. That's right. That's right. But on that note, let's take a quick break. We're talking to Josh Hancock. We are talking about the latest Porsche and other things in the world of electric cars. So stick with us because we're coming right back. It's Pop Tech Radio. Cancer is the number one cause of death by disease for children in the U.S. today. Since the Austin Hatcher Foundation's birth in 2006, it has grown to provide unique programs to help the children and the families affected by pediatric cancer. Support begins at the time of diagnosis and continues throughout survivorship at no cost to families. Lives touched by the foundation continue to rise each day. But we need your help. Donate, volunteer, or partner with the Austin Hatcher Foundation. Learn how you can get involved. Visit HatcherFoundation.org for more information. Hey, welcome back. It is Popular Technology Radio. Mike Etchart with Josh Hancock. He, of course, is an automotive consultant for film and TV. You can find him at joshcar.com. He has uh, been in the entertainment business for a very long time, and he's the go-to guy in Hollywood for vehicles and cars and television and movies. And we are talking about the latest Porsche. It is the Taycan, an all-electric sports car. It has been recently released. And, Josh, they were so subtle. Uh, they were up there at uh, Niagara Falls when they released it. And a couple of statues, apparently, of Nikola Tesla looking down on the festivities, one on the Canadian side, one on the U.S. side. Should the folks over at Tesla be worried about this vehicle? You know, I think so. Um, <laughs> this car's They've doubled production. I can't remember what that is. It's not a ton of cars, but it is the Tesla customer. And why they should worry about it is that the Tesla S 
the first car that came out that we all know, which is the big sedan. Mm-hmm. You know, that car has been out for a number of years now. And there's no refresh due on that car. Mm. So there are already people that have already had their second, in some cases, their third S. And there's no place for them to go to look like they got a new car. And the new shiny thing to have in Hollywood, of course, being able to buy a pure electric Porsche is a huge deal for a lot of these people that are already Porsche fans. Right. Now, for Porsche, this is what everyone is saying is a billion-dollar bet on an electric drive future. Um, They're the first high-end German car company to come out with this. Well, their parent company is Volkswagen. Volkswagen today at the Frankfurt Motor Show uh, showed the ID3. And this is a car that is the size of a Volkswagen Golf. Mm-hmm. This car will retail in the United States starting at $33,000. Oh. And here again, we, we haven't talked about range on these cars because this is what sold Tesla to the masses. You could buy a Nissan Leaf. You could buy a pure electric Ford Focus. But these cars, when they came out, we're getting 85 miles to a charge. And then the Tesla came out at 240 miles, and people are like, hey, I can do that, yes. you know? Yes. And so now the Chevrolet Bolt, for example, at $32,000, their range just went up to 262 miles. So we are finally breaking through this barrier of range and eliminating range anxiety. So there is a point at which big manufacturers believe that they can get people to buy these cars. Is the hybrid dead? You know, this is an all-electric vehicle. Is that kind of where everything is going now? Uh, No. There's a lot of hybrids that are actually coming out right now. You have, particularly in Ford, and Ford's coming out with an electric vehicle next year, that they say is based on the Mustang family. And it is a smaller SUV, but it's going to have cues from the Mustang. And that's going to be a mass market car. But Ford's coming out with a redesigned Escape, which at one time they offered a hybrid. Now, the new Escape, which comes out at the end of this year, will have both options of a regular hybrid and a plug-in hybrid. The Explorer will get a hybrid version this year, which is aimed at police use as well. So the hybrid is far from dead. And they believe if you do the numbers with police usage, because what they've done with the hybrid and with all these new technologies is you don't have to drive a slow hybrid anymore because hybrids are kind of doggy. Pure electric is fast, but you run out of juice. Ford's coming out with a Lincoln Aviator plug-in hybrid, and that has 450 horsepower. Woo, woo, woo. On that, hold that thought, though, Josh. We've got to take a quick break. We're talking to Josh Hancock. We're talking about electric cars. We're talking hybrid cars. Everything that's coming around the pipe when it comes to uh, cutting-edge vehicles. we got more when we come back. PopTech Radio. Brembo has been stopping champions on the track as well as drivers like you and me on the street for over 50 years. 
Whether it's UV-coated brake discs, low-dust premium ceramic brake pads, or high-temperature brake fluid, BremboStoreUSA.com is the place to go to buy genuine Brembo OE-equivalent replacement brake components. Go to BremboStoreUSA.com to help you achieve that 60-0 braking performance you deserve and expect from Brembo. Brembo, the choice of champions and consumers for over 50 years. Welcome back. It is Pop Tech Radio. Josh Hancock is joining us. He's the automotive consultant in the film and TV business. He is a frequent guest on our show. You can learn about him at joshcar.com. We're talking electric vehicles. We started talking about the Porsche Taycan, which has just been released, 150-odd thousand up to almost 200,000. But we were talking range. you know. And Josh, it's funny because I don't really have a clue. Certainly, I assume... Here in Southern California, perhaps in Texas and other large states, that people have longer commutes than most. I used to have an extremely long commute that was about 75 miles in one way, so 150 yeah. miles round trip. I can't imagine yeah. belts doing much more than that, that that's you know, in the kind of range of normal. And that's super doable now with a variety of vehicles. Right. And, you know... One of the problems, of course, is the infrastructure about charging these things. Yeah. And it used to be like if that was the case and that was your commute and we found you a car that was around 100 miles or 125, then when you got to the studio, you'd have to plug it in. Right. And every studio in Los Angeles now, any parking structure has got four to ten charging stations per floor. Because here again, we're first adopters in Southern California. I mean, I go to 20th Century Fox all the time, and their garage has six per floor, and they're always full. Wow. And so the problem is, if you had a lower-range car, and when you get there, you know you've got to charge, you can't stop at any gas station on the corner, you know? And you got to get into work, and there are no open spots. You've got to manage that. <laughs> right. Now... With these other cars, you know that you can go to work and come home and charge it at home, and you'll be fine. Right. And yeah. so that takes a lot of range anxiety off of people and that would allow them to buy the car, you know? Now, we kind of talked about this in the first segment. Living in Southern California, you see everything, the most exotic car yes. in the world. So it's easy for yeah. us to say... There's lots of electric cars on the road when, in fact, there may not be. What is the rest of the country thinking? And is it, you know, automotive trends tend to start here. Are the masses interested in this now or is it it's picking up, I assume? But it, I assume it's also not nearly as popular elsewhere as one would think just hanging out in Southern California. That is correct. Um, not in the sense of pure electrics. And also, back to the climate story, electrics are affected by cold weather. Ah, negative. So you're not going to get your range in a cold climate that you get here. Ah, all right. That is a big negative. So there adds another. And this is why it's going to take, I mean, we've got all these cars coming on the market. Almost every manufacturer, I mean, Volvo's got a whole new division called Polestar which is just for their electric cars. Obviously, General Motors in the game. Ford coming on strong. 
Bentley's got a car company, Porsche, you know, everybody's got something on the books and they really start to hit in 2020. And so the manufacturers have got to get people to buy these cars. Yeah. And so it's easy to say, and I do think that we will have a lot of adoption in California first, but we're still only talking right now. We're talking about 2% of the market. That's supposed to go up to 4% and 6% next year, but we're still in the next five years only looking at 12% of the market for pure electric. But I got to say, that's kind of impressive, actually, when you consider the strides with which we've moved forward in terms of just the technology, the range, and just basically all electric vehicles. You know, it, it seems like it hasn't been all that long since even hybrids were on the market, and I still think of pure electric vehicles as still pretty darn new. And if we can get to 12% in California, that's stunning, I think. Well, I will give you a statistic. You know, at the turn of the century, a little bit later than that, every taxi cab in New York City was electric. Wow. So in the early 1900s, you got in a cab in New York City, it was electric. No kidding. So they had to make a decision back then. Are we going to go with Steam, gas, or electric. And it was almost electric that we went with back then. Wow. But the oil guys won, and that's been the story. Yeah. So now here we are, and everybody's supposed to get along, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't see the internal combustion engine disappearing that quickly. No, but let's say we knock it down a third, so it's only yep. 66% it's now. I mean, that is enormous, and to say the benefits to the environment are stunning. Yeah, I totally agree with that, and I think it's going to be a big change for all of us. Um, I just wanted to give you a piece of news, and that is there's a company in Southern California called Rivian, an electric vehicle manufacturer who showed us a full-size pickup truck and a full-size seven-passenger SUV at the L.A. show this year. They're a very serious company. They sort of have hidden their designs, and they are coming to market in 2020. And they've bought a Mitsubishi plant outside of Chicago to produce it, and they have caught the attention of Amazon. Amazon made a big investment in them. They caught the attention of Ford Motor Company, who has committed $500 million to the company. Wow. And today, they got $350 million from Cox Automotive. They're mostly a media company. Wow. Well, hold that thought, Josh. We've got to take a quick break. You're listening to Pop Tech Radio. We are talking electric vehicles, and we are coming right back. Now's the time to join the Brotherhood of Muscle because we're offering Dodge Power Dollars, which means for each horsepower, you'll get $10 off your purchase. Roll out in the Challenger SRT Hellcat Red Eye and get $7,970 off. Maybe you'll take off in a Dodge Charger or tear up the streets in a Durango. Hurry in to your local Dodge dealer now and save. See dealer for details. Offer not available on vehicle leases. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 93019. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Welcome 
are back. Mike Edshart with Josh Hancock. He, of course, is an automotive consultant for film and TV and an automotive expert. Often has visited us on the show. And in fact, Josh, the, I think the last time we talked, we did briefly mention Rivian, the company that we were just kind of starting to talk about again. And you on the yeah. break, you were mentioning to me about their approach at it's well, it's not even called the LA Auto Show anymore. It's called the LA Mobility Show, I guess. All right. They had a little different spin on it this year. How, what did they do? Or last year, I should say. So they not only had a display at the mobility section, which is not inside the convention center. It's one of those massive constructed hardcore tents outside. And instead of doing the reveal of their vehicles on the regular press days for cars, they did it during the technology time, which I think in terms makes them a technology company as well as an automotive company. Well, it's interesting. You know, Tesla obviously um, was not born of the automotive industry, the traditional, you know, largest companies. And now here comes another one in that space. It is so hard to launch an automobile company when you haven't been in the automobile industry ever. And here we have a second one. I'm guessing some people in the organization have been involved in the manufacturing of cars before, but I just find it amazing that companies are jumping into this space and willing to compete with companies that are 100 years old and so well-funded. Is that a testament to the cutting edge of the technology or the slowness to react of the big guys of the combustion engine companies? Well, the big guys haven't been sitting around. So Rivian shows us a pickup truck, and everybody has to remember that the largest selling vehicle in the United States for the last, I think, 42 years has been a full-size pickup truck. Right, the F-150. Which is a staggering statement when you look at the rest of the world. Yes, Because in most countries, they don't drive vehicles that big, other than Australia, you know? Right, of course. And here, we have it as our number one selling vehicle, and the number two selling vehicle is also a pickup truck. (laughs) Goodness. So, you know, it's insane, and it's not by a little bit. The F-150 did something like 948,000 units last year. So don't think that Ford's been sitting around and not thinking about an F-150 electric. They have. They've been testing it for a number of years, but they are watching the market. They haven't been teasing the market with it, but their hand was kind of forced when Rivian showed their truck. Yeah, I can imagine. And that also made them say, look, we haven't been sitting around. We've got an F-150 pure electric. We're the truck guys. Ours is going to be better. And then they pulled this stunt where they pulled supposedly a million pounds on a train in Detroit (laughs) with this new truck. Then they turned around and put $500 million into Rivian. And what they said was, we put $500 million into Rivian because we have our own platform. We we call them skateboards in the business, right? Right. It's called a skateboard because it's this, it's four wheels with this, platform which holds all the batteries and then you build whatever you want on top of it that skateboard holds everything that's where the electric motors are and the wheels and that's where all the batteries live so you don't need anything above that really other than a steering wheel and some controls so ford said we have our own platform we've got our own skateboard but we like rivian 
and we want to be part of Rivian because we think we'll do another car and use some of their technology. And GM went to Rivian first, but couldn't make a deal. So I think Ford did really well by going to them. Wow. Fascinating. Is the F-150 buyer, whoever they are, all 940,000 of them last year, are they yeah. interested in an electric vehicle? Um, you know, the reason that they will be to a certain extent, many of them, is because part of what they want out of their trucks is towing and torque. And that's one thing you get out of electricity. Right. You get a lot of torque. You get a lot of pull power. So they're not going to have to give up anything for that. And there have been, you know, GM tried a hybrid truck that wasn't very good. Ford has a hybrid F-150 as well. But Ford is looking at it as something where they will have to give their buyer everything that is expected out of that truck to work. And so when they feel like they have done that, then they'll come out with the truck. They've got a new truck coming out in 2021 anyway. The, the F-150 gets refreshed in 2021. Mm-hmm. So I would suspect that that's when the F-150 electric, and that'll be after the Rivian. So we will see how well the Rivian does. I think the Rivian is really geared towards adventurers, you know. As opposed to, you know, just moving your lawnmowers. As opposed to the gun rack crowd. Right. And price-wise, where is Rivian in the marketplace? Well, they haven't really shared pricing, but they told us at the show around $85,000. Okay. So Um, There's a benefit with electric that I didn't realize and that they sort of shared with us. You can put that truck basically underwater for long, extended periods of time because the batteries are all insulated and they won't leak but there's no air intake or exhaust. Wow. As a piece of technology, that's crazy, you know? Wow. I never thought of that. Coming up on a break, but when we come back, let's talk about maintenance of all-electric vehicles. You know, what is involved in that? How long do the batteries last? And we're so used to the maintenance schedule of internal combustion engines, and yet here is a completely different beast coming out that... I assume less stuff, but you're going to let me know in just a second. You're listening to Pop Tech Radio. We're talking to Josh Hancock. We are talking electric vehicles today, and we are coming right back. Have you ever tried to plan a vacation and the hotel costs, airfare, and pet sitter all add up to one big never mind? Well, it's time to embrace the adventure and go RVing instead. GoRVing.com is your one-stop shop for all things RV camping. Browse the different types of RVs, find a rental agent or dealer near you, and compare the costs. Explore more than 16,000 RV parks and campgrounds nationwide, and even plan your menus for the trip. Find out what you've been missing at GoRVing.com. That's GoRVing.com. Pop Tech Radio, Mike Etchard, Josh Hancock is joining us. He's an automotive consultant for film and television. You can find him at joshcar.com. We are talking about electric vehicles. We've been talking about Rivian. You can actually go to their website. It's Rivian, R-I-V-I-A-N.com. They have two models, the R1T 
and the R1S. The R1T is basically a four-door pickup truck, and then the R1S is an SUV, lovely-looking cars. And now, Josh, you mentioned that there may have test vehicles out at the end of the year, of which you will be putting around L.A. potentially in one. But one of the things that I don't even know the answer to, so I'm throwing it in your direction, is what is the routine maintenance on an electric vehicle? And I'm going to guess the thing that ages potentially is the battery. What does one look forward to maintenance-wise when they buy an all-electric vehicle? Well, we've seen, for example, the batteries in all these Priuses that have been running around. They ended up having to do a guarantee because uh, the people who were talking against those cars were saying, oh, well, you know, at 50,000, 60,000 miles, you're going to have to buy a whole new set of batteries, and that's going to be a $3,000 affair. So, you know, you better factor that in when you buy this vehicle. So Toyota turned around and they did a 100,000-mile guarantee on the batteries. And we've seen many of those battery packs go far beyond that to 150,000 miles. Wow. So right now, that's what I'm basing it on. I don't really know what the projection is, for example, on the new Porsche. Teslas are guaranteed for 10 years. You know, I think depending on how the car is used, because a lot of times how many times you recharge and how quickly you do it certainly affects battery life. But I think we are looking at between 100 and 200,000 miles. That's impressive. And what does one, you know, I mean, what, okay, so you got the batteries, but what about tires? I'm going to take a wild guess and say brakes. There must be some sort of lubrication going on in that vehicle somewhere. I'm guessing it's far less maintenance than on a combustion engine vehicle? Far less because you're not changing oil. You don't have transmission fluid. Um, There can be some and there will be some cooling units. Right now, those are electric driven as well. And many of them don't use water in that way. Um, They use a solution. So there is some liquid there. But the motors, so you do have to have motors that drive the wheels. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, those motors are at the wheels. And they're fairly straightforward mechanisms with not a ton of moving parts. And so those can go bad, but those last even longer than batteries. Wow. It's pretty stunning. And I'm going to guess, you know, here in Southern California, it gets warm. The uh, the range is, that's in optimal conditions. If you're cranking the air conditioning and Correct. listening to yeah. music, you're pushing that battery down. Um, and therefore, yeah. your range will right. shrink. But still, does it go down by 25% or 30%? You know, I personally witnessed that when I was doing some shots with a Tesla S and we were running up and down sunset boulevard and i was really on the car and then i was sitting waiting for camera with the ac on full blast and then i was flooring it and going and i had 240 miles i mean i chewed up a hundred mile range in an hour oh my okay Um, that's significant so you really you really can chew it up if you want to um i think that's some of that has improved, and I suspect that Porsche expects that with a lot of their drivers. But it's a good point because it's never fully addressed 
but then again, it's not really addressed in internal combustion engines either. So, you know, I have a Mustang GT with a six-speed manual. If I just run that car around town, I can get 15 miles to the gallon. And that's being fairly hard on the car. I can also get that down to 10 miles per gallon if if I want to just continually stomp on it. But we don't really talk about that when we give mileage numbers, you know? No, exactly. It's it's kind of best case scenarios. Um, you yeah. know, let's let's back up a little bit and talk about Tesla. You know, they, they are in the news almost every day, as you mentioned in early segments. You know, they don't really have a new Model S coming out. It's still the same one, and no, seemingly no plans to refresh that. Are they hanging in there? Are we going to still be talking about Tesla in five years? Well, I personally believe we are because I think if Tesla came to a point where they needed investment. I think there's plenty of people in the industry that would come in and want the name, the client base, and the manufacturing capability. Right. And we've seen that, you know, they've gotten help from Mercedes. They've gotten help from Toyota. They got help from Toyota on the plant that they're in, in Northern California. And that was a plant that was a joint venture with General Motors. And they got a sweetheart deal to come in and take over a plant that was really geared up, that they just had to go in and and set up, they saved a lot of money with that sweetheart deal. And now they are building, because of the Tesla 3 finally getting up to production standards, they're building part of those cars in a big tent outside because they don't have space. So they're planning on expanding. Wow. Um, they're building in China or that plant is coming on board in China. Now, their biggest worry right now is the tariffs because the president, uh, if you call him, uh, (laughs) the man in charge has said that he's going to put a 20, uh, China in retaliation, excuse me, has said they're going to put a 25% tariff on American cars. Yeah, that's... and the tricky part the tricky part about that is that you've got Tesla, the biggest exporter from the United States is BMW. Mm-hmm. The yeah. largest BMW plant in the world is in the United States, and those are SUVs, and a huge portion of them go to China. So, well, um, Ford has a similar problem, and if we don't get rid of these tariffs, it's going to be super hard on Tesla. Mm. On that note, we got to take a break. You're listening to Popular Technology Radio with Josh Hancock and me, Mike Etchart. Stick around. We're coming like that. Over the years, automakers have spent a lot of time talking about the future. At Kia, they don't sit around dreaming of a better tomorrow because they already made it so that you can have it today. Introducing Kia's lineup of electrified Nero SUVs, the hybrid, the plug-in, and the electric with an EPA-estimated range of 239 miles. Because the future is just the future until we make something of it. Kia, give it everything. 239-mile EPA-estimated range on a full charge. Actual range may vary. Nero EV is in select retailers and select markets with limited availability.
And we are back. Pop Tech Radio, Mike Edshart with Josh Hancock. He, of course, is an automotive consultant in the film and television business. You can go to joshcar.com if you're on the interwebs. If you're on Instagram, Josh Carr Inc. I-N-C. You can also find him there. Josh, we've been talking a ton about four-wheeled vehicles powered by electric, but we didn't talk about two-wheeled vehicles. There are some things happening in motorcycle land, aren't there, when it comes to electric vehicles? There are, actually, Harley-Davidson. It's been an interesting ride for them because, so to speak, um, I was looking for electric motorcycles for John Wick 3. And so I went to a few manufacturers. There are some. There's one called Zero, mm-hmm. and they make great electric bikes. The market is fairly small, but at that time, I went to Harley-Davidson, and they said, well, you know what? We, for the last two years, have been taking, we have a fleet of 50 electric motorcycles, and we've been doing a private tour around the country where we have all of our owners ride these bikes and tell us what they think. So they really went out and, and, and researched their owners to see what the owners wanted in an electric motorcycle. And I was going to use 30 of those bikes and destroy them in John Wick. <laughs> and uh, the director didn't like how heavy they were. I'm sure the new bike's a little bit lighter, but they were a little heavy for his taste for stunting them. Mm-hmm. But I wrote it at that time, and it's a very unusual sensation to have immense instant power that is so strong, so torquey, and no noise. And no noise, yeah. Well, and we saw it at the Consumer Electronics Show. They have one set up, but that's what I've heard. The man from Holly Davidson, who we had on the show, he was saying, yeah, it is a weird sensation, but boy, it just takes your breath away with the power. It does, and they're also manufacturing electric bicycles. Yes. They have a small one. They have an e-bike that's coming. Um, They have something for the city, and then they have sort of a mountain bike that's pure electric, and those have just got to be a blast, you know? Yeah. Um, I I think there's a big answer there, too. In, uh, you know, when you look at countries like China and the number of bikes that are in China or Vietnam and a lot of these bikes, those packs, you just take it with you. So you arrive and you take your battery pack because it's small enough and plug it in while you're having lunch. Right. And these bikes and the Harley Davidson bikes are getting close to 100 miles on a charge, but they recharge extremely fast. Okay. So, yeah, that makes sense. And, so, and I'm sure they will. I mean, their biggest problem is weight with bikes because batteries are heavy. Mm-hmm. And even the electric cars that we are discussing are kind of heavy for what they are, really, just because these battery packs are really, really heavy. Bringing in something in the news, you know, there was a horrific dive boat accident here off the coast of Santa Barbara. And they still have not determined what the cause of it was. And about 34 people, I think, perished. It's seeming like potentially that some of these batteries, everyone was charging computers and cameras and things like that on the boat. And Mm. it's potentially that that batteries can explode. Is there a danger to any of these batteries like that? Well, you know, we've seen instances 
of cars catching fire that have been parked in garages. It happened with Tesla. Mm -hmm. It's happened with something called a Fisker Karma, which is a high-end hybrid. And we thought for a while this was going to be something very scary for the industry, but they seem to be fairly unrelated and, and uh, there's not a trend to follow. It's happened a few times. We don't really know whether there were other circumstances. So there doesn't seem to be a big problem with automobiles. I think a lot of the small phone batteries and what may have caused the fire on this boat, you know, a lot of those batteries could be way overheated. But it is a little scary. It is scary. It's something to think about. But on that note, we do need to wrap it up. And Josh, I want to thank you for being on the show. It has been a fascinating conversation and one that we are going to hopefully have again every month, it seems like there's new news. It really is. And we're coming into auto show season, so you'll have to come to L.A. Mobility. Yes. And we'll talk about what's there. Awesome. And I will be there for that. And on that note, folks, we want to thank you for listening in today. And don't forget, we are podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, which in, for me is Apple iTunes, but we are out there everywhere if you want to go back and revisit some of our older shows. And, of course, want to thank Radio America, the folks that carry us across the terrestrial stations. Thanks to Mike Paradiso and Jenny Ditas and all the great folks over there. So for Pop Tech Radio, thank you, Josh Hancock. And I am Mike Etchart. We will see you next time. The big news from Subaru is the three-row Ascent. It's the biggest SUV from Subaru ever. There's room for seven or eight passengers with a choice of second-row captain's chairs or bench seating. It'll tow up to 5,000 pounds. It has interior space you need for your whole crew. And it gets you where you want to go with the safety of a Subaru, including standard symmetrical all-wheel drive. The three-row Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. Maximum towing capacity varies by trim level, and trailer brakes may be required. See your retailer for details.